Thanks for tuning in, guys, for the next episode. I'm going to jump straight in. Um, I've not had the, a particularly good week. There's a lot of things I want to get off my chest for this episode, um, but there's a couple of things just to sort of cover off before before I officially start. So firstly, I think in the last episode, I promised that there'd be a guest on episode five. So due to a COVID outbreak, that's unfortunately been postponed for a couple of weeks. So that is on the way. And the exciting thing is we've got some fantastic guest uh, speakers over the next sort of five to seven episodes, probably going to be 50% with a guest and 50% not. So there's some really good stuff coming. So stay tuned for that. But I apologize on behalf of, uh, of both parties that, that you're not going to get a guest this week, but it is uh, it is coming. And unfortunately, we we can't get around COVID. Um, we've got to be safe. So um, I wanted to just start recording a few days earlier, actually, this is still going to go out uh, at the normal time, but in the the purpose of the podcast, obviously, first and foremost, is for me to self reflect and 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 self understand situations a bit better. And I've got certain things that are in my mind at the moment that are going round and round in my head that I can't seem to get right. I'm feeling quite anxious about them, giving me a bit of sleepless nights, and there's stuff that I really want to talk about. So I'm actually recording this in the luxury, actually, of my girlfriend's office at home, which is good, which is a, a far cry and a far change from the cold dingy, dusty, horrible uh, garage where I usually am actually. So a little bit of luxury. Um, it's just before three in the morning and I'm going to get started straight away and jump straight in because I've got a few a few things that I really want to discuss with you guys. So um, this is episode five of The Silent Entrepreneur by me, Aaron Curtin. So for this episode, it's it's as off the bat as you can get because um, yes, usually I make some notes and, and maybe some sub points and, and discussion areas that I want to discuss with everybody on on the podcast. But this this one, it's it's off the top of my head, ninety nine point nine percent because there's some stuff I've got in my head at the moment that's really really aggravating me. And I'm, I'm coming onto the podcast probably a five five and a half out of ten. I'm not feeling particularly great and. The reason for that is there's an air of anger and an air of annoyance um, that I've got in my head at the moment because of certain situations. So I'm going to dive straight into them. And these are in no way, shape or form in any order of, of, of what's annoying me the most or a priority order of any kind. They're just just areas that I've note, noted down in my notebook over the last sort of week and a half of elements that I really want to talk about that that are either negative, negative or positive or areas that I want to talk about on this podcast to challenge. Now, before I go on to this point, some people might call me a hypocrite for talking about it because I've done it um, many, many years ago. Some people might think it's a subject that's a bit taboo and that people are a bit uncomfortable to, to hear and talk about. But I'm going to do it anyway, because if it if it does anything to, to tarnish my reputation in the marketplace or what people think of me, then I don't really care. You know, this podcast is first and foremost, like I keep saying, it, it needs to be honest. It's about me reflecting on certain situations. And what I've actually found over the last few months of doing it is that a lot of my thoughts are actually a lot of other people's thoughts. And it tends to help people, you know, understand certain situations. And, and I've had so many people reach out over the last few weeks and months in terms of discussing points of this podcast. So first point I'm going to that I've wrote down in my notepad is um, choices. And in particular, um, one point, which is drink driving. Now, 
10 years ago-ish, I think, maybe even more, I got caught drink driving. I was stupid enough to go and plough my car about 55, 60 miles an hour into a central reservation somewhere in town centre near the hospital. This is something that I find quite hard to talk about because I haven't actually told anybody really the full story of what happened that night because out of shame, I suppose. Um, I like to think that I try and make the right decisions the majority of the time. And, and this particular decision, actually, when I look back, uh, ended really, really luckily for me. But at the time was was a really tough few years, actually, to go through. And, and I don't think I've ever really bedded it properly. And the reason why it's coming up now is because there's there's more people than I'm comfortable with that I'm connected with in one shape or form, whether it be close connections or connections that are not so close that I know are doing this stuff. And I know are going out there most weekends and, and making the decision to, to drink drive. And like I said, you can call me a hypocrite all you want um, to have an opinion on something that I've already done. But actually, when you look at it, um, look at it, you know, from further back, it, I've probably got quite a good perception of it because I've gone full circle uh, in terms of actually doing it thinking about it, dealing with it, living it and breathing it, uh, and then having to reflect and look back at the choices that I've made and making different choices in, in the future and currently. So if I go back to that night, it was a work night out. I was working at a previous company. I was a bit of a jack the lad. I'd always be the one to get the drinks in, get the shots in, get everybody going, and arguably a bit of a life and soul of the party. I'm known for getting the shots in, so I, I did exactly that. And I was with a load of my bosses and uh, a couple of um, of our top suppliers. And actually, we were absolutely pissed in, in a bar somewhere in Northampton. And I decided to get shots of absinthe in. Um, anyone that doesn't know what absinthe is, is 80-90% proof. And it'll, it'll, it's like drinking bleach and it'll probably <laughs> burn your throat off if you try and have some shots of it. So I ended up spending about 50-60 quid on... 10 shots of absinthe and I, and I threw them down the, down the, down the bar and I said to everybody, come on, come on, let's get the, you know, let's have these drinks and let's move on to a club somewhere and let's go and have a good night. They asked, they asked what they were and I was like, look, it's absinthe. I was honest and said, look, it's absinthe. Let's just get it down and let's move on. Um, actually only two people drunk a shot and there was eight shots left over. So I decided being Billy Big Balls, unfortunately to go and drink six out of eight of those shots until I felt like I was going to throw up. After that point, things were a bit hazy. Um, I don't really remember a lot. I remember leaving the club. I remember everybody walking off. I remember a couple of my bosses walking off in a different direction, one walking off in another direction to get a taxi. And I remember me walking down the street. Now, stupidly enough, looking back, I drove to the bar because I wasn't feeling very well and I was peer pressured to go out because we were meeting some suppliers and I had to and apparently I had to be there so by the time I'd had a few drinks the the illness had worn off and I had my alcohol coat on and I parked around the corner of the bar with no in no um you know there was no nothing about me uh when I was sober or consciously that wanted to go and get in that car and thought I'll have a couple and drive it was just going to be look I'm going to go I'm going to have some uh, a couple of cokes enjoy the night try and feel a bit better you know wingle it with the suppliers and then and then come home at a decent hour it didn't get to be like that and um I walked out absolutely steaming and unfortunately subconsciously I don't remember making the decision to get in the car um 
but it was a stupid one that I did. Uh, it's not down to anybody else. You know, I've had plenty of people, you know, family members say, why did, why did they let you get in the car? It, it's a decision that I made, whether it's consciously or sub, subconsciously. Um, I was an adult, you know, I need to take responsibility for my own actions. And I got in the car. All I remember from that point, he's getting in the car. I don't remember opening the car. I don't remember being in the car. I remember waking up after what must have been probably two, two hours. I think I passed out in the, in the driver's seat with the engine on. And I remember waking up sweating like you wouldn't believe because I had the heating on. And I was I was wringing wet, sweating because I must have fallen, fell asleep with the with the heating on, and and I remember subconsciously starting the car. Um, I don't remember driving the car. Um, all I remember next is getting out the car, looking back at the car, and seeing smoke, seeing metal railings everywhere, seeing two lampposts knocked over, a traffic light knocked over, and just not knowing what to do um and a real sheer sense of um just scared looking back at the car and an instant sobering moment where i look back at the car and i thought fuck what the hell have i done and in that moment i thought i've got a choice i run uh or i stay and face the music and I didn't really contemplate what the face in the music entailed and in, in terms of processing it. And just as I was about to make the decision, um, somebody came over to me and said, are you okay? I was sitting with my head in my hands on the curb. The car was steaming. There was smoke everywhere. I'd knocked a whole central reservation over and just took the, took the corner too early. And he came over and he said, are you okay? Um, and I said, no. And he said, right are you drunk? And I said, I don't know. And at that point, I think, I don't remember, but I think he must've just called the police then. Um, and there was probably two to four minute period because it was quite close to town that it, that it took them to arrive. And then it was really all of a bit of a blur, really. All I, all I remember is, is walking in handcuffs and looking back before I got into the police car and looking back at the mess that I'd made with a, a brand new car that had, had about 300 miles on it, absolutely totaled and written off and just battered through a whole central reservation. Um, it was beached about two, three foot in the air because the railings were underneath the car. Um, I must have hit it. I don't know what, what, what speed I hit it, but my gut feeling says I probably hit it between 50, 55, 60 miles an hour because it was a, a relatively fast part of, of, of the road that runs around town near the, the car garages at the bottom of town on the way to Morrison's and um, yeah, just, just looking back and thinking what the hell have I done? And it didn't really, I didn't really process it then because obviously I was pissed. Um, and I took a breath test, you know, in the car and we went back to the station and it was fingerprints. It was kind of putting me in a cell and waiting for me to sober up and they couldn't sort of get any, any information out of me. Um, and I remember I blew, I don't even know what the limit is, you know, 35, 36 out of a hundred or something. Um, I blew, I think 104, which is roughly about three times the legal limit. Um, anyway, to sort of fast track on a little bit more, I nearly got fired. I was very lucky, lucky to keep my job. Um, I went to court, I got banned for two years. I got sentenced to, 180, 190 hours of community service. I got fined 1200 quid. 
for the for the damage uh, and everything like that. But those things were, were were tough to deal with. But I think the reason why I mention it is because I think in that in that subconscious moment, what I didn't really realise was the effect it had on my life. Some of my family didn't speak to me for months. Some of the messages that I received were just people that were disappointed, shame. You know, I bought one of them said, sort of, you brought shame on the family. I don't want to speak to you ever again. Just stuff from people that I loved and that I thought that, you know, were, were really, really going to town. And I just, I didn't feel like I could get a, um, get a break at that point and obviously going through a period of not driving when you've been driving for a few years having to walk to community service to go and do that and interacting with the other people on, on community service which arguably I used to look around and think I'm not like these guys but actually I was because I made the mistake um and when I look back over that the the shame I think for that three to four month period at the start of doing the community service of family and friends not speaking to me was you know, I'll look back at it now, that that's the deterrent for me not making the same choice again. Um, there are other things that come into play, but um, I think when I look back, I was very, very lucky because I learned from the experience, but I was lucky that I didn't kill somebody. You know, if somebody, it was in the early hours. So if somebody, if that was in the day and somebody was walking over that road and I hit them like I hit that reservation, I would have killed somebody or I could have killed a family and... I could have been in prison for 10, 15 years for manslaughter. And you know what? Listening to this, you might think, bloody hell, Aaron, you know, ifs, you know, there's a lot of ifs and buts, um, you know, the, the, these things happen. But actually looking at it, that, that, that could have genuinely happened. I could have killed myself, which would have been selfish to my friends and my family and my children. I could have killed somebody else. I could have hurt somebody else. But what I did do, luckily, was didn't do any of those things. I actually walked out completely unscathed and I didn't hit anybody at all. But I did show the lamppost what for. Um, that didn't survive. But when I completed my community service and I started to try and get my life back on track in terms of getting my license back to, to work properly and all that stuff, um, you know, the road to get back to normal just felt like I had this weight, this, this, this sign written on my back or hung around my neck, which... You know, you can look at it and think there's worse things that you can do in the world than drink driving. You know, you could kill somebody, you could be a murderer, you could be a rapist, you could go and do this this and that. But for me, for somebody that really lived quite an honest life, I mean, I've always been a Jack the Lad, but there was never any malicious intent with it. I've always been a, a good bloke doing things for the right reasons. That was just shameful. And I just felt like I carried the shame and guilt of that experience around with me for so long and I never spoke about it I never talked about it to anybody but actually it's something for the last god knows how many years that has really really played on my mind and recently in the last couple of months it's really played on my mind because I think there's certain people whether they're listening or not is irrelevant but there's certain people that will be listening that have done it before or that do it regularly and I don't think they think of the outcome you know nothing is worth feeling like that Nothing is worth killing somebody and nothing is worth killing yourself or injuring other people. It's selfish, it's wrong, and you shouldn't do it. Um, and I absolutely paid the price for that. But I also feel when I look back, I was very, very lucky that it wasn't worse than what it was. But I think there's a lot of people out there, um, you know, it's not age specific, it's not background specific, youngsters, older people, 
you know, go for a beer around the corner, I'll just drive back or I can't be asked to get a taxi or I can't be asked to wait for an hour or whatever it is. Honestly, it's just not worth it because that time that you make that decision will be the time that you get caught or that time that you go and run somebody down or plow your car into a tree. And where does that leave you? Where does that leave your family? Where does that leave your your kids, your future, your friends? You know, that has an imprint. That has an imprint on everybody for life. And if I look back at some of the things from when I was younger that stay in my mind, there's one thing in particular that stays in my mind. I can't remember how old I would have been, probably maybe between 11 and 12, potentially 11, 12, 13. Um, I remember my friend that I used to play football with, Jack, um, he got killed and he got run down before a game. And I still visit his grave every month, every other month now, because it's important to me. Uh, and I want to pay my respects, every, you know, every month. And that was so long ago, you know, probably 20 years plus ago, but I remember it like it was yesterday. And I feel, well, what if I would have killed myself? I'm putting that tragedy on somebody else or that, or some other set of people or my family or my friends. And I just don't think that's fair. So, you know, it's a tough subject for me to talk about because it's really, really personal, but it's really prevalent at the moment. And I think as we go into Christmas season, you know, my advice would be, please try and make the right decisions, try and plan more. You know, if I go into a pub now and I am driving, then it'll be a shandy or it'll be a Coke and it won't ever be anything else. You'll be surprised what takes you over the limit. You can even get, get, get done for drink driving by having, being over the limit having your car keys in your pocket and walking into a car park and not actually touching your car. I think there was out of the 13 people that were on my drink driving awareness course that I went on, there was half of them that hadn't, hadn't actually stepped foot in their car because the way the police deem it is if you can't make an adequate sober choice, then the potential of you getting in the car is as good as you getting in the car. And whether you agree with that, synopsis or not is irrelevant because that is what the law is and if you don't stick to it you'll become a cropper and you could be another story that goes into the chronicle one day so i wanted to mention that because i think it's um something that's been on my mind for a long time and it doesn't don't get me wrong it doesn't it's not on my mind every day but when i see people do it when i hear about people doing it whether i know them or not it does bring back those memories for me. And, and like I said, I've never, never spoken about that to anybody in my life or about, about how genuinely that made me feel at the time. Um, it was one of my most loneliest, saddest moments. Really, really was. And, and a so sobering to sit in that police cell and think, shit, you know, what have I done? And actually go and face my family, my friends and my work colleagues over the coming couple of days with the shame of doing that was um, is something that will deter me from making that choice ever, ever, ever again. The next point that's in my notepad is about, I just wrote down rudeness, rudeness and ignorance is ugly. Now, I, I, I don't want to go on about this point for long, and I'm sure things might come up in the future about this particular point, but I've had several occasions over the last week and a half, two weeks where you know, there's one. There's ways of dealing with situations and ignoring somebody point blank and point blank being maliciously rude to people, friends, family, whoever it is, 
is just for me the most ugliest form of delivering your your point or your personality that you can get. I don't think you have to be rude um, when delivering something. I don't think you have to ignore somebody. I think there's ways of saying no or you're not interested or you don't agree with a certain situation. But certainly being rude and ignoring people for me is such an ugly trait. And look, I'll be lying to say that I've never done it in my life, but I don't do it very often. And if I do do it, there'll be an apology coming for whoever I've been rude to and ignored over that period of time. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to touch base on that because that's I've wrote that down a couple of times in my diary this week, sorry, in my notepad this week about rudeness and ignorance. And for me, it's the ugliest form of anything because life's hard at the end of the day. And um, you don't know what that other person's going through. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know what they're fighting against at that particular time in that moment. So you don't need to be rude. You don't need to be ignorant and ignore people. I don't buy the whole, I don't have time to reply or I haven't seen it. You know, that's one of the most annoying things for me is if you, you send a message to somebody and they don't respond or they read it and they don't respond. I absolutely hate it. It makes my blood boil. And you know what? It doesn't affect me in a way that I'm going to go and change my behavior because of it. But it does make me really disappointed on that individual. And it, and, it, and I just think there's an element of arrogance and ignorance. Um, and I think it's a really ugly trait to ignore people um, because you just don't know what that other person once and you don't know whether you can help them and you don't know whether they're going through a tough time at the moment and they really need your support and that little one bit of ignoring a message or not going back to somebody or delivering something in a rude way when you know you don't need to that could be the thing that tips them over the edge that could be the thing that they go and feel negative about for a whole weekend or have sleepless nights about that affects them for days and days on end. It's just not needed. So I think where you don't need to be rude, you don't need to ignore people, just reply to people. And and even if you don't agree with a certain situation or a certain point, I think there's ways of delivering that. Um, and certainly ignoring people for me is, is one of the most ugliest things that you can do. So the next point in my notebook is a quote, actually. Now, I don't know if this quote is um, assigned to anybody in particular, but it's certainly a quote that I've used for years and years and years is, and I've mentioned it to many, many people when they've spoke to me about things not going to plan and being let down. Um, and that quote is, if you measure people by your own standards, you'll always be disappointed. Now, the reason why that's in the notebook this week is I've had a handful of people reach out to me on social media and, and, and via, via WhatsApp this week around the frustration for them in their personal life and their business lives is being frustrated that things are not happening to their standards. Now, one particular person is organizing a trip away with their friends and he's tremendously frustrated because people are not getting back to him. They're not giving him a yes or a no. They're not paying the money. And it's like, crikey, I'm trying to organize something for everybody, get everybody together after COVID and nobody really seems interested. People are letting him down. People are not paying the money. They're not giving him a yes or a no to say whether they can go and book it or not. And time's ticking on. Um, another example is putting a lot of effort into your friendships and not getting anything back. Uh, was another example this week. Another example was very, very similar, but in terms of family, um, putting effort and time into organizing things with family and then, and then nothing coming back in return. And it affect, and actually on top of nothing coming back in return, actually 
the other family members moaning and groaning that, that nothing ever happens, even though that you were the last person to actually organise something. Um, so I think just on those couple of examples, I think I agree. You know, that, that statement is my statement, really. I think not, and it's not, it's not a statement that, that is being over generous with, with me being good at loads of stuff. Um, and I think if you measure by your own standards, for me, more often than not, not always, but more often than not, I'd be disappointed. And I think what I try to do is not measure people by my own standards because I work really, really hard. I care. I try and put time into the right things. And when I focus and put my time into something, it gives my, I, I do give it my all. I give it a hundred percent. When I'm focused on spending time with friends, I really want to focus on that. When I'm focusing, I really want to spend time with family. Then I'm focused on that, my partner, my kids, my work. Um, and I think it's really, really easy to have an attitude that that is a bit of a blame culture where you have a poor attitude or people blame this or blame that and they have excuses for, for, for not doing certain things. Um, for me, I think that it's really, really dangerous to measure by your own standards because I'm, I, I think that my standards are pretty high. I like to get things done quickly. I like to get things done with a high degree of quality and detail. I like to move from project to project. Um, I'm quite a task oriented individual, so I like to go from one thing to another. So most of the time, if I was to measure how things are done by my standards, I think I'd be really, really pissed off and upset more often than not. Not every time, not all the time, but I think that I would be in 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 all all aspects of my life. And I think it's dangerous, a dangerous situation. If you've got a really, really high bar, I think you're I think it's good to have a high bar of standards, but I think if you if you withhold that high bar of standards totally a hundred percent of the time, I think you're just gonna get into a lot of confrontation. You're never gonna think anything's good enough. Um, and I think you, you're, you're, you're always gonna deal with things in a negative mindset and look for the problems and become overbearing and overpowering and over analytical with certain situations. So it's certainly something over the years that I've tried to try to understand a bit more and try to kind of reflect and think about a little bit more. I don't think, you know, for one moment, I'm not saying having high standards is a negative. I think it is a positive when it's used in the right way. You know, I think when I look at my friend group or I look at my friend groups or my family or my work or, or everything in life, I like to try and do to a high standard every single time. And I try and throw myself 100% into that situation. Not everybody is like that. And I think over the last few years, I've understood that a bit more. And I've become less frustrated when when things are not done to the standards that I want, or somebody else is not putting in as much effort as what I am, or as much care and consideration into a task as what I am. Um, because they're not me at the end of the day. They're not seeing things from my perspective they're seeing things from their perspective and their perspective might be different to mine and it is different to mine with a, with, with a different life a different person a different set of emotional triggers a different set of priorities whereas mine is personal to me and I'm the only one that understands that so I think looking back at 25 year old Aaron I was a bit bull in the china shop and I got very very frustrated on a regular basis which didn't do me any good really and I don't think it helped me progress and learn as well as I do now um it gave me the ability to not really understand and I was constantly disappointed multiple times a day, multiple times a week and a month with how things and certain things were getting going in my personal and professional life. Um, nowadays, I'm not as much. 
I do get disappointed when I think people can do better, but that's only because it's not based on my standards. That's based on what I think their standards are and how I think they should be performing and the standards that they should be showing and the level of detail and care they should be showing. It's not my standards, it's their standards. So there is times where I'll become angry, you know, or disappointed or upset when things are not done to standard, but it's no longer my standard. It's their own standard. Uh, and I want them to feel annoyed and, and, and disappointed if they don't meet their own standard. Um, and if they meet their own standard and exceed that standard, I want them to feel the, the, the dopamine buzz and rush of, of getting to that standard and achieving something. So I think going back to the original statement, if you measure by your own standards, you'll always be disappointed. It's something that I've always said to people. Um, but it has a certain meaning for me now running this, running my own business rather than it did 10 years ago. I think it's dangerous to measure by your own standards because I think you'll be disappointed more often than not. Um, especially as a, as a business owner, a leader and an entrepreneur, I think you should measure by their potential and their standards sometimes. And I think that you may become less frustrated and negative. Right, I'll turn my next page over and I've wrote, does luck exist? Does good luck exist? Now, this is something that really, really annoyed me this week. And I'm sorry there's loads of themes that seem to annoy me on this podcast, but I need to get it out. I've had a couple of people come up to me over the last sort of couple of weeks and they've said things like, in passing conversation to me or other people or two other people that I've heard about, I've spoke about luck. Um, and I've spoken about me. So, you know, Aaron's quite lucky to run his own business. He's lucky to get that opportunity to run his own business. He's lucky to live in a nice house with his partner. Um, he's lucky to drive around in a nice car. And it's something that's really, really pissed me off, to be quite honest with you, because I have a nice car. Yes, I do. But I've worked for it. I've grafted for it. I've, and I've had plenty of times in my life where I've drove around with no car. Um, I haven't been able to afford a car. I couldn't fuel a car and I've been walking everywhere or cycling everywhere or, you know, you know, I've had a, a car that, that, that's a shitbox on wheels. And there's plenty of times where, you know, even in when we started, um, started the guru business up, you know, I wasn't living in a house. I was living in uh, a flat, which was probably the, the smallest and worst place that I've lived in in the past 10 years because that was me cutting my cloth accordingly and doing what I needed to do to put all the, all, all the money and, and resource I had into starting the business. I've been through challenges in my life. I've, I've been through a divorce. I've got a couple of kids. You know, I've made bad choices in my life, as you found out a couple of things today on the podcast. I've made good choices in my life. I've worked my ass off. I've also had times where, where, where I've, I've made bad decisions. So for someone to say that somebody is lucky, um, I mean, number one, they don't understand the situation. If somebody's looking at me thinking you're really lucky to have what you have, well, number one, I've worked for it. Number two, is what I've got actually what anybody else wants? And if they're looking at what I've got and that's what they want, then I think that they need to reassess their own goals and their own aspirations of their life. What I've got is what I've got. What I haven't got is what I haven't got. Um, my life's not straightforward. My life's difficult. Um, I work my ass off. I've got a hectic life. I've got demons in my head that are going around all the time, you know, as a, as a business owner with, with kids and a family and a house to run and all the things that come in between that, that, that I've spoken about time and time again, it's 24 seven, it never switches off. Um, if somebody want, comes and what, I'm not saying that I've got a bad life, but I haven't got an easy life. 
And that's because I want it that way. And that's because the choices that I've made in the past and the choices that I'm making in my present are going to determine what happens in the future. But for someone to turn around to me and say, you're lucky, you know, I've got two words for those people, which is fuck off. You don't understand the situation. There's no luck in my opinion, that goes on in this world. If there was luck, you'd have no, you'd have people without jobs doing nothing, sitting at home in bed, wishing and hoping that things are going to work out okay. And then when they don't work out okay, you'd have the same people whinging and whining that things are not happening and they haven't got any luck and things are not falling in their direction. I don't think good or bad luck exists. Luck, in my opinion, doesn't exist. Now, if you ask the, the question differently, which is, can you influence luck? not just be lucky, but can you influence luck? Then my answer is completely different. My answer is yes, you can influence luck because if you have a good attitude, if you work hard, if you spend time with people, if you spend time with your family and your friends, if you're open-minded, if you can be accountable for your actions, good and bad, if you can have a learning mentality, if you have good people skills, if you're a team player, if you try hard, if you work hard, and if you're open to doing all those things, probably have more things that, that, that I can't think of right now off the top of my head, then I think that improves your chances of being lucky and you can influence where luck falls. But I don't think luck exists, but you can influence things that happen in your life, um, whether they're good or whether they're bad. It doesn't mean that if you work really, really hard, you're not going to have any negative things happen because obviously there's things you can't control. Um, but I certainly think you can improve your chances by doing some of those things that I mentioned, but I certainly don't think that makes you lucky just because you might, to the outside world, seem like you've got a great life or a great business or a great partnership or a great relationship or great kids or a great situation doesn't mean that the Instagram life is the real life, number one, because 90% of the time, 95% of the time, it isn't. People put on social media what they want you to see, and it's, and it's probably a version of events of what they want you to see. And if you see most of the influencers and, and famous people out there, there's very few that are actually honest about, you know, how their life is. If you look at some of the, some of the most happy on the front of it people, people like Robin Williams, for example, You'd look at him and think, funny guy, really, really happy, famous, got loads of money, actually killed himself and actually was one of the loneliest, depressive people um, that I've actually read about in the last couple of months. So I, I don't, you know, going back to the previous point around luck, I think you can influence your life and influence things that happen to you. But the word luck for me just just hits a bit of a, a dead end and it hits a bit of a bit of a uh, bit of a pain point for me that word luck uh, I'd rather change it and you know can you influence things that happen in your life maybe and I think if you can have a good attitude and you can work hard and you can do all those things that I mentioned I certainly think that, that, that more often than not you can influence your chances of having decisions go your way and if you don't then you, you fall into that lazy blame um, mindset um, and it's a negative spiral from there so less dependent on luck and maybe more activity around influencing decisions that happen in your life. I also think it's important to have a holistic mindset when you're thinking about these 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 things that happen and these decisions because um, for me over the last week and a half I've had two people in particular reach out to me and I've had hours and hours of time actually speaking to them whether it be social media or on the phone or emails or text and and these two people I'm not going to name for obvious reasons but 
are in a bit of a spiral or seem to be in a bit of a spiral around um, going round and round on their own head. They've had some bad things happen to them that have impa- severely impacted them, their, their mental well-being and their physical well-being recently and in the past. They've got struggles in their life. They struggle to build friendships, partnerships, you know, with, with family or, or friends or romantic interests um, and are really, really struggling in their own head and are feeling pretty lonely around around their situation at the moment. So I've kind of made it my my goal over the next few months and moving forward is to do my best to be there for them and try and build a friendship with, with, with those couple of people because I think they need it. And I think they need me to to be there for them because they don't have anybody else. And I think when you look at things that we were saying there around luck and choices and, and, and you know, previous topics that we've had in this podcast around rudeness and ignorance and stuff like that, you don't know who you're speaking to. And I think certainly um, before you choose to go and say and do things like that, you need to kind of understand that other party a little bit more and maybe make a different decision on how you deliver a certain bit of news. Because, you know, from my some of my experiences with different people over the last couple of weeks, we all have those dark times. We all have those tough times. I mentioned before about my drink driving episode 10, 12 years ago, you know, it was a dark time for me. Um, and there's been other dark times as well that no doubt at some point in these podcasts will probably come out at some point when, when it's ready. Um, but I think, you know, we need to just understand and be there for people a little bit more. And if you can pick one person in your, you know, one thing that's take away today, if you can pick one person in your network, whether it be friends, family, business, peers, what, whoever it is, whether you know them or not know them, if you pick one person and pick the phone up today or over the next couple of hours, whenever you listen to this, this pod and you have a conversation with them, ask them how they are and try and help. Um, imagine if everybody in the UK did that, how much of an impact that would make and how much positivity and um, how much those be, those people being able to talk, it would actually help them because most people that are in that kind of a state that are struggling just need someone to talk to. They just need an ear, an understanding ear and someone that genuinely gives it, you know, cares and is considerate and gives a shit about their situation. And I, for one, with those couple of individuals, you know, absolutely, you know, I might not have the time and have known them for 10, 20 years, but actually the strength they've shown to reach out and have a conversation and start that process shows they're a heck of a lot stronger than what they think they are. And and, and a year, a couple of years, five, 10 years down the line, they'll look back at that first moment of reaching out and they'll look back at it and they'll they'll be glad that they did because it starts the process off. So I went, sh- I went shooting uh, a couple of weeks ago. I've never shot in my life. No live animals or anything like that, obviously, because I like animals. Um, it was just target shooting. It was clay shooting and that sort of thing. So I've never, ever done it before. And actually, when I've seen it on the TV, I've seen it on Facebook, I've seen it on YouTube. It looks really, really hard. And actually, uh, my nephew, Alex, um, shoots for England. And when he's put some things up in the past about getting 100 out of 100 and 98 out of 100, I've looked at it. I haven't really taken it in in terms of what it means. haven't really understood it. But actually going to get some lessons with a few friends on on skeet shooting and, and, and clay shooting over the last couple of weeks. It's something that, number one, I really, really enjoyed it. It was a really good release to pull a trigger and see a clay obliterate in front of your eyes um but when i was looking at it before we went and i was looking at videos i thought do you know what if i can hit 
10 out of 50, I'll be happy. If I can hit like 5 out of 20, 30, I'll be happy because it looks so difficult. And actually, I was first up and I nailed 5 out of 5 on our first shots. And I started to think to myself, like, it's not as hard as maybe what I've been thinking it is. Um, I nailed 5 out of 5, a couple of the other guys did 5 out of 5, 4 out of 5, 3 out of 5. And, and actually, for the first time we'd all shot, you know, I thought, crikey, this is this is not that difficult. And then that was just a clay going from left to right. And then we shot it down. And then he, he, the chap, Richard, who we were doing our training, he took us to a, a, maybe four or five different different types of shots. Now, these were, you know, clays going away from you, going towards you, above you, going crisscross, um, you know, double shots, triple shots, single shots. And, and actually, with the next couple, I was okay. And there was one particular shot that went above me that I was absolutely awful. I, I barely even got one, I don't think. The other ones I was okay, but I kept trying to think to myself, like, and psych myself up and think, what am I, you know, what am I doing wrong here? You know, I've never shot before. You know, I'm doing okay, but I can't get a single shot with this one that's going like above my head. What the hell is going wrong? What am I going wrong? What am I doing wrong? And Richard said to me, he said, right, we're going to stop for two minutes and let the gun cap calm down. He pulled me aside and he said, Aaron, Stop overthinking it. Stay calm, have fun, and just shoot it. And I thought, all right, that's what kind of what I'm doing. I'm having good fun. I'm I'm calm. I'm not like getting stressed out about it. But I, you know, I want to try and hit as many as possible because I'm competitive and I want to try and do well and and make the session worthwhile. But he said, Aaron, you're overthinking it. You're overthinking the shot. And then I stepped back up and I I, I didn't even really get myself ready. I just held the gun, said pull, they went in the air, bang, bang, both hit, gun went down. And I looked at Richard and he went, I told you, you're overthinking the shots. Stop overthinking the shots, have fun, stay calm and just shoot. And actually it made sense. It really, really did. It made sense. And I reflected on that that night when I was looking back at videos of slow-mos of a, slow-mos of a shooting, making us look way better than what we actually were. I reflected on his advice and I thought, can this be adapted for anything else other than just shooting? And I think back to my life and I think I'm quite over analytical with certain situations. Hence why I'm doing the podcast because I talk about situations all the time because I sometimes struggle to process them at the time or I want to, I want to rethink and reflect. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think in certain situations, just using your gut instinct, staying calm, not overthinking a situation and just taking the shot. I think if you look back to things and decisions that you make in life, I think more more often than not, when you use your gut instincts and your gut feeling and you do it for the right reasons and you stay calm and you're having fun with something, you make a decision, you just get on with it. More often than not, it goes your way and it's the right thing to do and you do it in the right way. When you overthink a situation, you sometimes find things that are not there. And if I look back to situations in business or in sales, sometimes you can look at KPIs and you can look at figures and you can look at sales targets and sales numbers and sales deliverables. And you can look at CRM systems, notes and things like that. And that can depict a picture, but it might not be the accurate picture of what's going on. And I think sometimes, you know, that what, what Richard said there to me around the shooting in terms of not overanalyzing and just, you know, don't overlook at it. Just take the shot, have fun, stay calm, take the shot. I think I'm going to try and do that a little bit more in my in my life, whether it be, you know, all aspects of my life, really, um, whether it's in my working day. 
I think maybe less analytical, a little bit more gut feeling, a little bit more just take the shot and let's get on with it. Let's roll with it and let's go. Um, I think there's time and a place for for overanalyzing things. And I think some people that overanalyzing things stops progress. I think keeping it simple, having fun with it and just making that decision based on how you feel along those set of objectives is actually probably most of the time going to get you a better result and give you a better deliverable at the end of it. So that's my bit of advice. As David said, don't overthink the shot, just shoot. Guys, thanks for being a part of the podcast this week. Uh, it's been really good to get some personal stuff off my chest. You know, um, first and foremost, topics have been slightly deep and slightly different this week as to normal. But again, it's been honest. It's stuff that I've recorded early because it's on my mind and that's that's what it's all about. And I think, you know, if I've taken anything from, from this podcast in my last couple of months, it's been when something is on your mind, do something about it. Talk to somebody, record something, send the message, just get in whatever medium that you feel that you have to just be compelled to just let it out and express how you feel. And if people don't like it, then fuck them. Um, they don't have to listen and they don't have to, you know, don't have to be involved in it. Just just get it out and look after yourself first and foremost. And you sometimes with your feelings, you've got to be selfish and you've got to look after yourself because if you can't look after yourself, you're not going to be in a fit state to look after the people that you care about. So thanks very much for staying with me in certain elements this week. Um, like I said, episode six is going to be a jewel uh, pod, which I'm really, really excited about. Actually, uh, I'm not going to give it away too much, but you know, this particular individual is super successful. He's got a great story and I can't wait to share that with everybody. There's going to be tons and tons of takeaways. So I'm super, super excited about that. Um, one thing before I go um, that's really important as well, please can you subscribe to the podcast, whether it be on Audible, Spotify um, or SoundCloud. Um, it means a lot to get feedback. So again, please talk to me. Um, I always put my mobile number in, in the podcast, which is 07754-750-700. Send me a WhatsApp, ping me a call or a text message. Just reach out to me on social media via any of the platforms. I really want to hear, hear from you. I'll make sure that I come back to absolutely everybody that makes some contact with me. And like I said, some of my high points over the last couple of weeks when I've been feeling a bit low of actually being engaging with you guys and helping talk to you about some of your problems. And that's made me feel uh, better. It's made me feel like I've got a sense of worth and that's helped you and, and me as well. So um, thanks for that. Thanks for sticking with it this week and I'll see you soon.